Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. Of course, as always, I am your host, John June, and Thank you for joining us today as we continue our breakdown of our of the rookies, the top five rookies at each position uh, pr- prior to the NFL draft, uh, wrapping up the series here with these top five tight end prospects. Um, but also what we got here today, we got a, an awesome guest this week, uh, Nick Scripp, CEO and founder of P2W Fantasy uh, my man came on here and, and dropped some heat with the buy lows and the sell highs uh, from a dynasty perspective. Had to ask him some questions about how free agency shaking out could affect some other guys. So, you know, we looked at all that from a dynasty perspective. And so uh, you definitely want to stick around for that. Nick, uh, definitely um, one of the top notch guys out there, one of the top notch people out there. Um, in the fantasy community, dropping that knowledge, uh, but also one of the top-notch people in general. So, uh, got had the opportunity to talk to my to my my guy Nick Script. So, you know, gotta love this one, man. He was a great guest, and and I guarantee you guys will enjoy it. So, uh, stick around for that. Uh, but as I mentioned, covering the tight ends today. Last week we did the top five running backs. Uh, the week before that, well, we actually had um, David Kateri come on, and he talked about the tight end landscape. So he actually mentioned uh, one of the guys that we'll talk about today, uh, mentioned them at Agnosium. So definitely want to go back and listen to that. But the week before that, we covered the wide receivers, had a conversation with Kevin Coleman of Hammercast. So if you haven't caught that, you definitely want to go check that out. Um, and then also the week before that, cover quarterback. So We've been covering all the offensive positions. I'm trying to do something with defense. I'm trying to see if I can cook something up special for these IDPs out here. Because, uh, you know, as as we like to say here, we got you covered. So the IDPs, we're, we're going to get something uh, going with that as well uh, in terms of a rookie breakdown. But uh, my top uh, tight ends, it, it, now it's tough because uh, the tight end position is almost impossible to evaluate through data. Um, you know that. A lot of you know that uh, I obviously do the, the running back models, the quarterback, the wide receiver prospect models based on, you know, college production and workout metrics and things of that nature. But college production at the tight end position is much less predictive uh, than it is at other positions. So from for me, my process has usually been to uh, watch these guys test, watch these guys go through the combine, go through some drills, uh, find out the guys that stick out to me that way, kind of. Uh, check out their college production, check out their film, and then kind of make the best opinion that I can. Obviously, with this offseason being a little uh, a little bit different, not having the, the combines and, and um, you know, everything being mostly done at pro days, uh, it it's changes up my process a little bit. So, um, you know, tight end position has usually been one of the toughest positions uh, to evaluate from from you know, just overall in fantasy, right? But also when you're looking at these rookies as, as they make that transition to the NFL. Um, but this year it just becomes a little bit tougher. But again, 
we have to be able to adapt. We have to be able to adjust. And so that's what I plan to do this year with my process and uh, going to make the most of it. yo. So uh, appreciate y'all for enjoying this ride with me. Uh, so let's dive in. And so the tight end, rookie tight end one, and I think anything other than this next guy would just be a hot take. Uh, so that's Kyle Pitts. An absolute man, 6'6", 246 pounds, out of the University of Florida. Pitts is a smooth and fluid athlete. He moves gracefully on the football field. And he's so long, and he knows how to use that length to sky over defenders, box them out. Um, you know, this guy, you know, he's, uh, he's you know, as a junior, he had 43 catches, 770 yards, 12 touchdowns in, in just eight games, averaging 17.9 yards a catch. Um, now, Pitts isn't a dominant blocker, but he will give effort. And with more play strength, you know, more technical coaching, he should improve. Uh, Pitts is definitely going to be a problem at the next level. Uh, if you listen to the tight end show with Dave Gatieri, uh then you'll know how much how in he is on Kyle Pitts. And like I, I like to call Dave David the, the uh, tight end whisperer here. But anyway, uh, going he's all in on Kyle Pitts, and it's really hard not to. Uh, so when it comes to your rookie drafts, it might cost you a top five pick to get your hands on Kyle Pitts, but I, I promise you he'll be worth it every time, uh, depending obviously on, on what other needs you may have. But, you know, we're talking about a Travis Kelsey, potentially a Darren Waller, George Kittle, uh, you know, that advantage at the tight end position for potentially the next four or five to six years here with Kyle Pitts. And so I think when we're talking about a player like that, essentially a unicorn, uh, I'm going to pull the trigger here in the, in early, early in these rookie drafts. Uh, and from a, from a redraft perspective, I think Kyle Pitts has a ton of opportunity potentially depending on where he lands, of course, uh, but he has a punt, a ton of potential to be, to actually have some year one impact here. So, uh, don't you know? Don't shy away from Kyle Pitts even as a rookie. Moving on to the tight end two, uh, this one had to go back and forth a little bit, but I'm going with Pat Fryermuth from Penn State. Uh, he's cut from the more traditional mold of of the tight end that we're used to. Not this super athletic specimen, but he's at but you know he's big at six five, two hundred fifty eight pounds, uh, built closer to that extension of the the offensive line. Than, than some of the, the tight ends that we see these days who are just, you know, happen to be bigger receivers. But if you've heard me talk about the position before, you've heard me talk about rookie tight ends, you'll you'll know that I really value that ability to be a reliable blocker. Uh, reason being, these NFL coaches, they want to be able to count on these guys to block, and that leads to, to more playing time, which leads to more snaps in both the run game and the pass game, which means more opportunities to score fantasy points. And so Fryermuth is definitely not a finished product as a blocker, but his size and toughness, um, you know, two traits that I think are very important at the tight end position, you know, he should be able to develop into a good blocker. Uh, and then you consider his receiving production. This year he was on pace for the best season of his of his. Uh, young college career having 23 catches and 310 receiving yards and just one touchdown in, in four games and so you know he missed the rest of the season with a shoulder injury um but you know obviously was on pace for a, a, a really good season there for, a, as a junior tight end and I'm looking forward to see to seeing where Friar Muth ends up because I think again he can have that impact um you know when we talk about tight ends that uh, can can 
play in both the run game as well as the pass game, um, you know, similar to what we saw, maybe the kind of trajectory that we saw from Cole Komet last year, um, where he becomes um, he becomes more involved as the season progresses, and then you're looking for him as that year two breakout tight end. So, uh, Fryer moved in rookie drafts. If you if you have a need at tight end and and you're looking at the end of the second round, maybe maybe uh, even the third round, Fryer Muth should be uh, should be able to provide some value for you. Uh, maybe not this year, but the year after. My rookie tight end three is going to be Brevin Jordan from the University of Miami. Uh, Jor- Jordan's listed at 6'3", 245 pounds, and he flashes some pretty elite athleticism. Uh, I think he's somebody that probably could have torn up Indy uh, had there been a combine this year, but uh, Jordan has a lot of juice for a tight end, man, and and Miami lined him up as a traditional tight end, as a big slot receiver. They lined him out, out. They lined him up out wide. Uh, they lined him up as a wing. Uh, he had 38 catches and 576 yards and seven touchdowns this season, all career highs. He's definitely a matchup problem for linebackers and safeties that you know could be tasked with covering him depending on his alignment. Uh, and as a blocker, he's definitely willing, uh, but he's just a little light in the trunk. So uh, hoping that after being in an NFL weight program, um, he could you know improve there as well. I do think Jordan can have a role in the NFL. Uh, probably won't be in year one because, like I said, again, uh, he he could be a liability as a blocker just because of his size. He's definitely willing, but he's going to have to add more more weight if he if he wants to make an impact as a blocker but um, maybe we see the Irv Smith type trajectory where he's you know that tight end two uh you know his first couple seasons uh, and then maybe he ends up having he ends up eventually overtaking the starting role after he's developed as a as a blocker but Jordan is is definitely a freak athletically uh he's got he's got a ton of juice man so uh, I definitely would get excited about Brevin Jordan potentially landing on a dynasty roster of or, my, or of mine. So you know, definitely a guy that I'm looking to. Um, moving on to my rookie tight end four, that is going to be Hunter Long from Boston College. Now Long has a ton of college production. He's had more than 500 yards each of the last two seasons. And in in his junior season, which was his final season, he had 57 catches for 685 yards and five touchdowns. Now, these are all career highs. Uh, he's listed at 6'5", 253 pounds. And so, typically, I I you know I looked at the production, I saw the the height and the weight, and this is a prospect that I would be all over. And and you know, but there's something missing here with Long. Now, again, the tight end position, one of those positions where I'm looking for some specific qualities. Uh, usually, uh, being being a, a tough SOB is one of them uh, because of that blocking element that we talked about, but also some athleticism because we want that receiving element. And I don't really get those vibes when I'm when I'm watching Long's film. He doesn't seem like somebody who, you know, is is a, a you know a big uh, you know, being 6'5", 253 pounds, like Fryer Muth at the same size, you know, essentially, you know, Fryer Muth's only five pounds heavier than than Long, but listed at the same same height. Um, 
Fryermuth will like throw his body around. Uh, you know, he tries to to uh, you know to really be a bully to defensive linemen uh, on the edge. But when you watch him, even in the open field, he's trying to run these guys over. Um, Hunter Long, not to the same level, but I'm getting some Jason Morrow vibes where it's like, I just want to catch the ball and fall down kind of thing. Um, which again, I could be completely off base here. I'm not saying that I, I, I'm, I know this perfectly. This is just the vibe that I'm getting, uh, when I watch, when I watch Hunter Long. And so, um, you know, even just catching some balls over the middle, uh, you know, he wasn't really reliable there as well. And so, and again, doesn't have that freak athleticism that we really look for at the tight end position. So I have him as tight end four. We'll see how, you know, where he gets drafted, uh, what, you know, maybe what team he gets drafted to, how they try, how they might plan to utilize him based on, you know, what they've done with players in the past. So again, I'm not saying that Hunter Long is going to be, uh, is going to be terrible or he's not going to make it. I have him here as my tight end four. I just have some question marks really. Um, but my moving on to my rookie tight end five, that is going to be Trey McKitty, uh, 6'5", 245 pounds. He's a prospect from the university of Georgia who transferred over from Florida state. Uh, now McKitty doesn't have a ton of college production, Last year, he had 108 yards on six catches and, and just one touchdown in uh, playing just four games. But even prior to that, the most yards he that he had were 256, and he only had uh, only has a career 56 career catches. Um, and so in, in four years, and so and then you just look at the fact that he has only three touchdowns during that span as well. Uh, McKitty does not have college production backing him at all, but... McKitty is quite the athlete, and he did deal with some issues, uh, including quarterback poor quarterback play and poor offensive line play at Florida State. Also dealt with an injury last year. Apparently had a knee scope prior to the season, um, and so and obviously only played four games. Uh, so, you know, McKitty did show well at the Senior Bowl, and again, he's got this athleticism. He's kind of just dripping with it, uh, and so when when you Depending on where he lands, depending on the you know how you know how teams view him from in terms of the medicals, uh, that's going to be important as well. But uh, I'm definitely going to have Trey McKitty on my radar because again, he, you know at 6'5", 245 pounds, he's kind of got this athleticism, um, and, and he's dynamic in the open field for for a man that size. So definitely on my radar for sure. Um, but that's all I got in terms of the tight ends. Again, if this is this could potentially change like big time depending on what happens on draft day, because there's probably some guy that I really don't even know um, because I don't spend all time watching, you know, film of, of college prospects or evaluating every tight end that's going to get drafted. Um, but, you know, so I, I may there may be somebody who post draft is going to end up as a top five player on my list. But pre-draft, uh, they might not even be on here. So um, be mindful of that. But again, uh, you know these rankings that I give out, they're just my personal thoughts, my personal opinions based on uh, obviously a bunch of different variables uh, that I think matter to me. But 
you know, this is just me sharing my information with you all. And so I want you guys to kind of try to develop your own process. I want you guys to uh, try to, you know, um, have your own opinions, right? Because if you just, I'm, if I'm just, I'm just here sharing the research that I've done and the thoughts that I have, but at the end of the day, just want to continue to educate people, continue to help people become better fantasy players, better dynasty players. And, um, you know, so again, if you don't think, if you don't think Kyle Pitts, I'm like, I'm just going to use Kyle Pitts. But uh, let's talk about Hunter Long. If you think Hunter, if you think I'm completely off base with Hunter Long and you think Hunter Long is the tight end two in this class because of all the, the film that you've watched or, um, you know, whatever it is that you may be, whatever, maybe you found, you know, maybe you were listening to, to Dave last week and listening about the anatomy of a, of a top 16 uh, tight end, um, you know, which process that he adopted from Jax Falcone, looking at some different uh, metrics and variables. But, you know, maybe you, maybe you have something like that and Hunter Long completely fits you know, that process for you. So then move them up your draft board. But, uh, these are just my thoughts, my opinions, right? So, uh, thought that that was important to share. Um, but again, thank you all for listening. Please enjoy, uh, the interview with Nick script of P2W fantasy. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter. Uh, go check him out on TikTok uh, and, and YouTube and Apple podcasts or wherever he he's putting out content. Cause my man is putting out some some quality stuff there. So again, y'all, thank you for listening. Have a good one, and we are out. All right, next guest up, I've got a really good friend of mine, a guy I met off Twitter, whose content we share a ton. Um, you know, this guy is is grinding in the fantasy community. Uh, he's he's built his brand the right way. Uh, Nick Script founder and CEO of P2W Fantasy, play to win. Nick, what is going on, bro? What's up, John? Uh, first and foremost, appreciate you having me on your podcast. Um, you were on mine, which was great, so I'm glad we got to uh, switch roles here, who's hosting, and uh, I get to be on yours. Um, you, you, you use the uh, word friend, which um, I clear as day attribute to you. I uh, appreciate uh, what you do, obviously, with your content and things like that. But um, we tend to share each other's content and talk uh, freely. So, again, appreciate you having me on, man. And I'm uh, looking forward to talking some football here. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, and as we, you know, get ready for this, um, you know, free agency, we have the, you know, players moving already and some trades that have already gone down. So obviously, we, you know, we look at how this affects the, the fantasy landscape, especially in terms of dynasty. So, um, Nick, today you're going to we're going to talk about some buy lows, some buy lows and some sell highs that you got. But before we jump into that, um, you know, let's talk about, you know, with all the potential, you know, fantasy, all the potential movement in the fantasy landscape due to trades and free agency. Who's one player that maybe you're looking to to buy in anticipation of a, of a good landing spot here? Yeah, so so thinking about this, a couple of guys came to mind right away, and the few first guys were all wide receivers, like Kenny Galladay, for example, is a guy I like and I want to see where he goes. But then I looked at what's the biggest gap between what the price is now versus what the price can be. And one of the guys that came to mind for me was Leonard Fournette. And I know in 2020, uh, Ronald Jones took that that role as the lead back for Tampa Bay through the regular season. 
But, you know, Leonard Fournette was great in the playoffs and had some flashes of what he used to be when he was actually given some touches. Week two, he went 12 for 103 rushing yards and two touchdowns, four catches for 27.6 fantasy points. Weeks 15 and 16, he was the overall RB10 for those two weeks combined. You know, looking at the pass for Leonard Fournette in 2019, he was the overall running back six. He had 76 receptions that year. 2018, he was a bit banged up, only played eight games. And then 2017, the year before, he was the overall RB9. So this guy's been a top 10 back twice in his career already within the last few years. Um, and a lot of people attribute that to volume, but in free agency, there are some places that can give him that volume. And we look at, you know, these question marks to, hey, where is Fournette going to go? And some people don't value him super high, but in Dynasty, you have to play these cards kind of early. And if Leonard Fournette ends up going to the Arizona Cardinals or the Seahawks or the Steelers, 49ers or the Buffalo Bills, his price is going to skyrocket. So again, if you play Dynasty right, sometimes making these moves early and grabbing a guy before his, his stock skyrockets is important. So Leonard Fournette's uh, the guy that comes to mind for me. Yeah, man, I actually really like that one. I hadn't thought of much Leonard Fournette in terms of where he lands in free agency. Obviously, with how it ended with him in Jacksonville, uh, people have kind of a, a bad taste in, his, in their mouths and they you know, have this negative perception tied to Leonard Fournette. But like you said, played well at times last year, um, only 26 years old, so still young, uh, still technically in the prime of his of his career, um, you know, obviously declining, you know, in the decline. But, you know, a team like Seattle, you're right. They would, you know, why wouldn't they throw money at Leonard Fournette and have him come in and be the bell cow if they can't re-sign Chris Carson? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, again, you look at Dynasty, if you try to buy him right now, try to trade for him, that's going to be very different if he does end up going to a place where, you know, his stamp is on that team. He might be a workhorse or he might have an expanded role. So that that's the way I kind of look at uh, the running back position specifically when it comes to free agency. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's real sharp stuff right there. Uh, so on that same note, who's maybe a guy that we're trying to sell uh, because, you know, maybe people are higher on him now than they would be when he lands somewhere. So, when I approached this one, I, I kind of thought about not a guy who's necessarily on the move, but a guy that might be impacted by movement in his organization. So uh, okay. Chase okay. Chase Edmonds was a guy that came to mind. And the reason is, you know, Kenyon Drake might be back on this team, but there's also been some rumblings of, you know, what if, what if uh, Arizona ends up moving on from Kenyon Drake and bringing in somebody, um, you know, have your league make uh, your league mates in your leagues, click on Chase Edmonds' profile. Week five, he had 20.2 points. Week seven, 21.5. He had six different games this season with 13-plus fantasy points. Six games with four-plus catches. So he, he had some good games this year, and Cliff Klingsbury just came out and said he is confident Chase Edmonds can be Arizona's lead running back, uh, according to Pro Football Talk, and it was six days ago. So if free agency ends up affecting the Arizona Cardinals, if you don't take advantage of this coach talk about Chase Edmonds. Now you, you might miss out on um, potentially selling a guy for a, a heightened value 
uh, compared to what happens in free agency. So not necessarily a guy that's going to be moving in free agency, but he's a guy that definitely can be impacted by free agency. Yeah. So what are you, um, what are you maybe selling him for? Right. Because there's obviously that, that in the range of outcomes that he could be the lead back for this, this, this team. So, you know, what's that price point look like? So I think with the idea that he he could be the lead back, you know, there might be some hesitation from people to sell, um, sell, you know, medium to low at all. So in in my mind with a class like this, I haven't really dug super deep in, but I've paid enough attention to know that an early second round pick for me would be something I'd take for Chase Edmonds. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't think you're going to go and say, Hey, I'll, I'll take the three Oh three for Chase Edmonds. But if you can get somewhere, between the 205 or better, I, I, I think you can get some good value for, for Chase. If he ends up being the lead back, I mean, I, I, I guess you might have sold a guy too early, but at the same time, I, I just don't personally see him as that guy in Arizona, a team that just made a move for J.J. Watt and a team that wants to compete. I think they're going to make a bigger move for the running back or continue to have some faith in Drake. Yeah, no, that's that makes a ton of sense, 205 or better. I think that's a good price point based on where this draft class fits. Um, hey, maybe you could even package him in, try to try to upgrade Chase Edmonds. You know, um, there's maybe there's some someone out there who's really down on Zeke Elliott, right? So maybe you could kind of package Chase Edmonds with a pick and see if you can get to Zeke Elliott. What do you think about something like that? Yeah, absolutely. And um, again, look at your league that you're playing in. There's going to be that guy in your league that is very, very running back needy. Target that guy and say, hey. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know you need a running back. It might be a dart throw for Chase Edmonds. Click on his profile, see what he did last year. He might be the lead back. Can you give me a receiver? And maybe that receiver ends up being somebody that can really benefit you on a weekly basis for a flex or a bye week. So I, I, I think you can get some good value there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree with that one. Um, now let's move on to quarterback position because obviously in, in fantasy, it's one that you could get creative to fill. I know in dynasty leagues, I found myself, you know, trading for older quarterbacks because they tend to be cheaper. Um, you know, maybe you have to uh, make another trade. You know, whatever it is that you may be that it may be that you have to to do to fill the quarterback position in your dynasty league, especially if you're playing super flex. But is there someone based on your rankings? Uh, I know you just put your your top thirty out recently. Is there someone on your rankings that sticks out as a value? somebody you might be inclined to uh, target in a trade. Yeah. And I, I might be in the minority here. I actually was going to talk about, uh, I was going to talk about Sam Darnold, but I, I know you as a Jets fan might have uh, too much jet talk going on uh, between what can and cannot happen. So I, I avoided him, even though I, I do like Darnold. Um, but uh, the guy I want to talk about is Jared Goff. And the reason I want to talk about Jared Goff is not to come out and say, this guy is going to be a top 10 uh, quarterback in the coming year and people are sleeping. I'm not trying to say that, but I think that that there's a very negative outlook on Jared Goff. He is a guy that mm-hmm. is going to a team that's not very good. Uh, a lot of people were down on him this year. But at the same time, if people really like DeAndre Swift as a pass catcher, if people really like TJ Hawkinson as a, a top three, a top four tight end, if people like this draft class, Detroit's got the number seven pick, and I keep seeing mock drafts that have Devonta Smith, the Heisman winner this year, going to Detroit. Will that happen? Who knows? But at the same time, I've seen plenty that actually had that. So looking at Jared Goff, 
The situation's not great. Fantasy Pros has him as the QB 21 for Dynasty. They threw in the rookies in there, uh, just sprinkled them in. But I think this guy has proven that he could be a top 15 sort of guy. I mean, QB 15 in 2020, not as good as we wanted. QB 15 the year before as well. But he was the QB 9 in 2018, QB 8 in 2017. Top 12 this year in completion percentage, so he can do that. And then if you look at um, some of the upside of his passing yards, in 2019 he was the number 3 guy for passing yards and number 4 in 2018. So looking at Detroit, the defense is not great. They're a team that's going to be playing from behind a lot. He's going to have to throw the ball. And when he's a guy that has been a historical leader in the top five for passing yards, he might have some decent fantasy value for a guy that a lot of people are writing off. So I think if people like these guys that can be part of the Lions and you have a guy that's going to have to throw the ball, I, I think Jared Goff's a guy that you can get for a lot cheaper than you should, especially if you play in those super flex leagues where you need the quarterbacks. Dude, I, I love this one, man. I really do because, you know, especially when it comes to the quarterback, if I'm looking for a quarterback in Dynasty, and as crazy as it sounds, sometimes I'll look for those guys that just make me go ill. And then what would it take to get them? Because a guy like Jared Goff, you know, maybe, you know, obviously we look at what he's what he did in L.A., and obviously they, they traded him essentially um, – for you know, he was just part of the deal. They they gave up they gave up a first round pick to get rid of his contract essentially. So, uh, you know, obviously people look at Jared Goff, they think that he he's not very good. They think he can't play. But to all of your points, right? If we're if we're high on some of these pass catchers and we know what a bad defense can do for a quarterback, um, and we've seen Jared Goff be productive before. Uh, who's to say that, you know, as a QB2, which in Superflex, if you, you know, uh, as long as he's in within that QB13 to QB24 range, that is your QB2. Uh, and he's, like you said, top 15 potential. This totally makes sense as a guy that you could target in a trade if you are definitely in need of a quarterback. Yeah, and you look at some of these other teams as well that are like Tua, for example. I uh, just, just to touch kind of briefly on him um, – you know, he, he kind of got knocked for not being a high fantasy scorer in certain weeks because his defense was so good and they didn't throw the ball because they didn't have to. Uh, Jared Goff's going to be a guy that has to throw the ball. So with throwing the ball, even if it, you know, results in, you know, some incompletions here and there, as long as he's not turning over the ball, that can be very profitable for super flex leagues or whatever the case is. So again, if this guy's got top, 15 even if he's top 20 and you play in a, a 12 team super flex league that means there should be 24 startable quarterbacks in your league I think this is a guy that you can get for a lot lower than you probably should if he can be top 15 16 17 18 in a super flex league so yeah good points by you as well yeah man definitely like that one um all right man so let's just jump right into the by the by lows um so Who's who's the, who's your first guy that you have down as a, as a buy low for the for the people tonight? Yeah, so uh, a buy low guy that I I've been harping on lately because again, you know, I, I'm not the only guy that says this, but I still don't think enough people put respect on this wide receiver's name is uh, is Tyler Boyd, um, wide receiver thirty in fantasy uh, according to Fantasy Pros. And just a quick note, I, I reference Fantasy Pros dynasty rankings a lot just because 
they have 60 people that make those consensus rankings. And I don't live by those at all. Like, like you noted earlier, I, I make my own, mm-hmm. but I respect that they update them like almost every day. So uh, they have them as wide receiver 30. I think that's a little bit unfair. Um, if we look at the downside of Tyler Boyd this year, the shiny new piece is T Higgins. I, I like T Higgins a lot. So this is not anti T Higgins. He's the shiny new piece in town. I think Boyd's a little bit in the shadow. Um, also uh, weeks 12 through 16, Cincinnati did not have Joe Burrow because of that ACL tear. Tyler Boyd was the wide receiver 82 during that time, which is awful. Of course, that's terrible. But people forget what he did with his quarterback when he was actually healthy and in the system. And if we play dynasty, you got to look at these quarterback to wide receiver relationships. So uh, Tyler Boyd, weeks 1 through 11, when Joe Burrow actually played, was the wide receiver 11. During that time, T. Higgins was the wide receiver 27. Again, it's not one versus the other. I'm just trying to paint a picture here. So Tyler Boyd was the wide receiver 11 in fantasy. And you can say it's a small sample size, but weeks 1 through 11 is not a small sample size to me. Um, In 7 out of 10 games with Joe Burrow, Boyd saw 8-plus targets. In 5 of those games, Boyd saw 17 or more fantasy points. Boyd was the wide receiver 21 in 2019, so nothing you know spectacular, but definitely serviceable. He finished as the wide receiver 15 in 2018. So this is a guy that has consistently floated 20 around 20 or better. Seeing that he was a top 11 guy with the rookie Joe Burrow, to me, raises eyebrows saying, hey, this connection's real. And when Joe Burrow is back next season, I know everybody loves T. Higgins right now, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But look at the connection that those two had. So I think because of T. Higgins and because of how bad Tyler Boyd was without Joe Burrow, people are very low on him. So I will continue to be high on him because I think his value is depreciated right now. Yeah, man. I actually do like this one. I know my co-host uh, in the regular season, Greg Penniman, he's a, a Tyler Boyd stand essentially. So he would really like this one as well. Um, you know, like you were saying, I mean, something I just thought about, first off, 11 games, definitely not a small sample size. When we're talking about football, there's only 17 weeks. But, um, you know, in terms of Joe Burrow, something I thought about with him coming back and, um, you know, this his ACL injury, uh, his, you know, we know that sometimes players are slow to recover, especially at the beginning of the season you know, dealing with when they come back from these ACL injuries, especially if they happen in the middle to towards the end of the year. And so thinking, you know, may, I don't have, again, I don't have any data on this. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. Is there something to maybe Joe Burrow targeting a lower A dot player more often like a Tyler Boyd, instead of trying to drive the ball down the field, um, especially when he was one of the worst you there for a quick Hello? second, John. Okay. I think I lost yeah, no you problem. for a quick um, quick second there. If you can repeat that question. Oh no, I didn't. So so basically, what I'm asking is, do you think that with Joe Burrow coming back from the ACL, you know, does it is it more plausible that he tar- he targets a lower A dot receiver in Tyler Boyd versus targeting a a, a, a higher A dot receiver in T Higgins, especially early on in the beginning of the year. Um, you know, that, that's an interesting thing to look at. Uh, 
I think a guy coming back from injury, I, I like to look at him. You know, I'm, I'm reading a tweet actually right now. Joe Burrow's on pace with his rehab from a torn ACL, MCL, aiming to start week one. In, in terms of changing the way that he targets wide receivers, I mean, it, it could change when he builds different relationships and things like that. But I don't, I don't really look at him before and after injury and, and see him playing much different with the way he targets guys. So maybe I'm off by that. The, the only real – a lot of people are concerned about Joe Burrow, you know, what, what will be different when he is back because the ACL obviously is not like a hamstring strain. The only thing that would bother me uh, in this Bengals offense for me to change my view about Tyler Boyd and his connection to Joe Burrow is if they end up drafting um, a Jamar Chase. And I know that a lot of people have an offensive lineman going to the Bengals, but there's also been plenty of mock drafts that had Chase going there, which I thought was weird. Uh, But that'd probably be the only factor to make me change kind of the view. I see the connection between the two guys. Yeah, I mean, you look at Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals, they run a, a ton of three wide receiver sets. Uh, so, you know, getting a receiver like Jamar Chase, adding them to that receiving core where you have Chase and, and Higgins on the outside and you put Boyd in the slot, I think that would make them uh, really dangerous. Uh, but, again, uh, you know, NFL teams – Want, might want to build up front, but who knows, man? That would be absolutely insane if they if they were to, to get Jamar Chase in there playing with Joe Burrow again. Yeah, that's that that's the only. Fa- I mean, there's so many factors when it comes to coming back from an injury and you know shifting your relationships with re- uh, receivers. But that's the only one that kind of stuck out to me as a, a big like red flag for Tyler Boyd. But if they don't go with one of these top O linemen, I'd be very surprised to say the least. Yeah, definitely. All right, who's another guy that maybe we're trying to buy at this time of year? So a guy that I like a lot, and I hope things change for him, is uh, is Jerry Judy. He was the wide receiver 54 in 2020. There's a negative outlook on Jerry Judy because of a few things. The one was, of course, being the wide receiver 54. That's not super good in fantasy. Now, also, according to Pro Football Reference, he was number three in the league for most drop passes. So a lot of people look at Jerry Judy and say, hey, maybe his hands are not as good as we thought. I don't think enough people keep in mind that Drew Locke led the league with the highest bad throw percentage, again, according to Pro Football Reference, in the 13 games he played. Then Jerry Judy also had Jeff Driscoll, Brett Ripien, and Kendall Hinton throwing him the ball, which is not a good mix of guys there. So, uh flashes you know week nine Jerry Jerry Judy went seven catches for 125 yards and a touchdown 25.5 fantasy points week 17 uh he had five catches for 140 receiving yards and a touchdown 27 fantasy points the guy had 113 targets for the year and I know Cortland Sutton was out of the picture and people think hey you know those are open targets but at the same time in in my mind I think Jerry Judy can progress with Cortland Sutton on the field because I think both guys are going to demand attention. Uh, I think a lot of attention in, in terms of playing defense against the Broncos when they're passing the ball was kind of focused at times on, on Jerry Judy, even though Tim Patrick, you know, uh, surprised a lot of us at the way he played. And, you know, KJ Hamler had a couple of decent games. But 
Um, Jerry Judy for me was the clear cut wide receiver one out of this draft class for, for me personally, um, above, uh, CD lamb and above Justin Jefferson. That's kind of the order I had. I had Judy lamb and then Jefferson. Um, you know, a lot of people look at the way that he runs routes and, and say, even though he was targeted 113 times, there were so many times drew drew lock was overlooking Jerry Judy. Uh, I don't worry about the hands. I, I think having a quarterback that throws as poorly as drew lock did, kind of a attributes to some drops every now and then. And also, I mean, give the guy, give, give the guy a break. Uh, there, there's plenty of other guys who had just as many drops or around that mark. I think CD lamb, nobody talks about this, but he had around that many drops as well. Um, I just believe in the talent of Jerry Judy. If the Broncos were to get a different quarterback, if there's a trade or something happens along those lines that uh, affects their offense, I think Jerry Judy's another guy Look at the stock now versus what it can be. If, for instance, I don't think this is going to happen, but if, for instance, the Broncos found a way to grab Deshaun Watson in a trade, what is Jerry Judy's value going to be in Dynasty? I think there's going to be a clear difference from today to uh, tomorrow. So um, overall, in my mind, second year, sophomore season, having Cortland Sutton on the field and either a new quarterback or hopefully a better Drew Locke. I think he's a good buy right now because his stock might be the lowest it'll ever be. Yeah, Jerry Judy definitely has some good stock right now. I mean, uh, I personally had him as my wide receiver two uh, sandwich between Lamb and Jefferson. Uh, Lamb I had as my one, Jefferson as my three. But, uh, you know, Jerry Judy – within the eyes of public opinion is probably third or fourth or maybe fifth, depending on, you know, based on what happened last year, when you look, especially when you look at guys like T Higgins and, and Brandon Ayuk, the years that they had. So uh, Jerry Judy, definitely somebody you could probably get for cheap right now. I mean, I'm not even going to lie. I was trying to trade Jerry Judy uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, so I was of that same mindset. Um, but like you, to your point, Drew Locke, not a very good quarterback. And if Denver can go ahead and upgrade this quarterback position, uh, you know, 856 yards, 16 and a half yards of catch, that is nothing to sneeze at, um, especially as a rookie in a year where, uh, you know, there's, you know, no off season due to COVID. So, uh, you know, Jerry Judy, I think is definitely someone that you could, uh, you know, sniff around, see what, see what it'll cost you, but it, it might be cheaper than you think. Yeah, I think so too. And um, I mean, we look at Drew Locke this this past season, and he was like the new version of Jameis Winston on the Bucks, but like way worse for stats. He was like sixteen and fifteen for touchdowns and interceptions, or something like that. I mean, we've seen good wide receivers perform. Look at Allen Robinson; he's performed with bad quarterback play, but at the same time, like the cards just I don't think were stacked the right way for Jerry Judy. I'm not going to say, you know. Nothing was his fault this year, but I think, again, price-wise in Dynasty, it's very low compared to what it could be. Definitely, definitely. So who's another guy that, you know, maybe we, we might be trying to buy low right now? So uh, I wanted to touch on a quarterback, uh, maybe maybe just run through pretty briefly here, but a lot of people play in super flex leagues, so they might be looking for a quarterback they can get at a value. But um, I think – Tua is another guy uh, that a lot of people don't have a great outlook on right now. Um, I'm, again, when I when I talk about some of these guys, I'm not going to try to push them to be a top ten guy or anything like that. But I look at you know what's the outlook right now today. Um, 
March 11th compared to what it could be. And, you know, tank for Trevor once was tank for, for Tua. Um, if you look at Tua, he had four games under 15 points when he was given the nod. He also was benched for Fitzpatrick, which did not look good. So you factor in some of these um, outlooks for him right now, and it didn't look great. But weeks 8 through 17, Tua would have been the QB 13 during that stretch of games in which he was benched at times as well, like I just said. Week 9, he had a, a completion percentage of 71.4% pretty good and he threw for 248 yards and two touchdowns and he rushed the ball for a bit which is nice to see for a guy that had these hip injuries uh, week 14 versus the Chiefs he threw for 316 yards had a had a two to one touchdown and interception ratio so nothing crazy but 27 fantasy points and another thing that people don't talk about with the Dolphins is that he had one game with Preston Williams then he had both Devontae Parker and Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki, not 100%. We had these two guys missing some games and playing banged up. Um, their defense was winning games, so he did not have to throw the ball a ton during this time either. So I, I think the outlook for him right now is not great. I think come next season, if they do bring in uh, one of these top-tier wide receivers or if they uh, bring in somebody from free agency, he's going to have a nice weapon to work with. Hopefully he has a healthy core because he did not play enough games with the trio of what he probably could have played. So I think, again, super flex leagues, Tua, his price is low right now. And I think talent-wise, I, I really think he's being slept on. And again, I'm not saying he's going to be top five next season, but I think where people view him versus what he could be is two different things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll be honest, I have not been the biggest fan of Tua. Um, but I, I, I totally get your thought process here and in, in trying to get a young quarterback who just, again, two years ago, we we're talking about tank for Tua and he was far and away the, you know, potentially the number one pick in the draft until Joe Burrow kind of seemingly came from nowhere to steal that from him. But, um, you know, especially with the success Justin Herbert had last year and the success that Joe Burrow had, Tua kind of looks he doesn't look as good in that light compared to those guys. But like you said before, they could add another weapon here, um, you know, either through the draft or through free agency. And, you know, like you said earlier, their defense last year played so well at points where they did not have to uh, go through to it. And who knows, maybe that could change uh, with having, you know, to play a tougher schedule and things of that nature. So, um yeah, I, I do like this one here with, with, with Tua, man. As much as I don't even really like Tua as a player. I, I, totally <laughs> yeah, I get like it, I get this, it. This process here. Yeah, you know what it is? I actually really hate Alabama, too. Like, I don't like – like, I, I don't like I have friends that root for Alabama, and it's annoying, so I just really don't like Alabama. They're kind of like my uh, college football version. No, I hear you. Patriots. I hear you. You, so. you keep you keep those things in your pocket. Sometimes <laughs> there's guys in fantasy that I'll never <laughs> I'll never touch for my own personal reasons. I won't name guys, but like there's a running back who yeah. I've seen a a bad YouTube video of him doing something before, and I I just wrote him off for the rest of his career. And there's guys that my my brother who I play in leagues with, Anthony. Uh, there's guys that he loves, and I think just because he likes them so much, I just don't. So you always have these other reasons that factor in sometimes. <laughs> yeah definitely definitely so uh who is a guy that you look you know we're talking we're talking let's talk about these sell candidates who's some guys that maybe you're trying to sell high um you know and selling high doesn't always mean 
that you have to sell high, right? So, um, you know, you getting the price that's appropriate here. But anyways, who's some guys that maybe we're trying to sell high? I'm going to jump right into that. But the, the last little piece I want to throw into that, um, that, that buying window, uh, I won't go deep into it at all, but I had just like this mm-hmm. little small section of notes here. This wide receiver this past season, weeks one and two, went wide receiver 17 for that week, uh, those two weeks. In week six, he was the wide receiver eight. In week 10, he was the wide receiver 10. Week 14, he was the wide receiver 14. He's a free agent that nobody talks about. Keep your eye on Keelan Cole and see where he lands. Because if he lands on like the Packers or something, could have a good value boost. But um, I, I wanted to make sure I threw that little thing in there. But uh, so, mm-hmm, sell high, mm-hmm, got two, two running backs in a, in a quarterback that came to mind. The, the first running back here was a first-round draft pick. In 2018, he was the overall pick 27. Uh, We saw flashes of this guy. 2018, week 10, he went for 108 yards and a touchdown rushing. 2019, week 12, uh, 129 yards and a touchdown. Same year, 2019, uh, week 13, 15 rushes for 74 yards and a touchdown. In 2020, he was coming off an ACL tear. Rushed the ball uh, 11 times for 34 yards altogether so nothing crazy in 2020 Rashad Penny I'm talking about here Chris Carson is supposed to be gone so this job is wide open I have seen so many tweets and maybe maybe not enough people think this way but I've seen so many tweets talking about this is Rashad Penny's time he's going to be the lead back in Seattle they drafted him in the first round a few years back and now he's healthy and he's ready to go we've seen some decent games out of Rashad Penny he he's a guy that you know, you look at him when he plays, when he is healthy, and you say, hey, this guy might be something. But, again, last year he rushed the ball 11 times for 34 yards, and that was it for the year. We talked about free agency before, John, and we, we mentioned the guys Leonard Fournette, uh, James Connors in that mix, Kenyon Drake might be on the move, Aaron Jones. Seattle is wide open for the running back position. So if you – I'm not going to say convince your league mates of something because that's kind of malicious. But at the same time, if you do have a guy in your league that thinks Rashad Penny could be that guy, sell him at that value. I mean, you're not going to get him for a first round pick, but in my opinion, if you can get, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, a second round pick, like we said before for Rashad Penny, I think I might take it. Cause I just think Seattle is a team that's going to grab a running back in free agency. And I don't think he's going to be that guy. So for me, sell him before anything happens. Yeah, and then obviously he's also somebody who's who's coming off of some injuries as well. Uh, I forget what it was. It was an ACL yeah. last year. Or the, I think it was an ACL. Yeah, something like that, right? But ACL. So um, you know, obviously it's a little bit. It's it's not as hard as it, as it once was to bounce back from that. But um, you know, yeah. I mean, would you sell him? Would you get rid of him? pick if somebody came and offered you somewhere within the 30, 301 to 305 range? I think, man, if if somebody was to offer me the 301, because I, I have him in one dynasty league, if someone, someone was like, hey, you know, I, I'm going to take a dart throw on Rashad Penny being the starter, would you take him for the 301? Uh, I think I, I would just because it's on the tail end of being a second round pick. Uh, but I think then, you know, once you get towards that 305, you know, is it really worth it, if there's a one in 10 chance, he's the starter and, you know, that 10% chance hits, maybe that three Oh five wasn't worth it. So um, I early, early third, I don't know. Would you do it, John? 
Yeah. So to your point, um, you know, I, I, so I, I kind of, if I know I don't really want a player on my team and I, I want to, I'm trying to trade them and I, so I can Rashad Penny's instance, if I got something like the 301, I would probably, knowing that maybe I can't trade Rashad Penny as much as I can the 301, right? Maybe I could package the 301 and maybe my second round pick to move up earlier in the draft. Um, and so essentially it was like me trading that second round pick and Rashad Penny to move up. But I know I traded him to a, a manager who didn't want Rashad Penny. So if I could do something like that, but obviously that's making a trade to, to, to then make a trade long winded way of saying, I probably mm-hmm. would do it. Um, but it would depend on my team, right? If my roster is constructed in a way where, Hey, I need running backs. Then Rashad Penny is probably the running back that I want because hey, this is a low upside or high upside. low. Yeah. And I think um, sometimes when people ask like, what is the value of this guy? I get asked that all the time. And it's so much easier when you can see, you know, someone's league because a guy like Rashad Penny can be that extra boost in the trade you really want to to work out, you know? So, uh, yeah, so sometimes that, that question's mm-hmm. a, a, a bit hard. But, yeah, I definitely agree with the, uh, the points you're making there. Yeah, definitely. So who's another guy that we're trying to see? The hot on? commodity out of my, uh, my team's arch rival is a guy that I wrote down here, and it, I don't want to bring a lot of controversy to your show here, but um, AJ a- a- Dillon's a guy that I think you can sell very high right now, and um, the the reason is I think there automatically are things guaranteed to AJ Dillon for some reason. Uh, he was a second round pick, uh, pick sixty two overall. He went before uh, Antonio Gibson. The only real week we saw out of him was week 16. He was a baller, 21 carries for 124 yards and two touchdowns, uh, 25.9 fantasy points. So I think the quads plus the opportunity, a lot of people are seeing him as a 2020 RB1. Can he get to that mark? Maybe, but the the takes I've seen lately are kind of outrageous. Uh, People forget that in 2020, you know, A.J. Dillon had – 46 carries for 242 yards and two receptions. There was another guy in that system, Jamal Williams. He carried the ball 119 times, so a lot more than 46, for 505 yards and 31 receptions. So 31 receptions for Williams versus the two for Dylan. This guy was third on the pecking order list. Um, Aaron Jones did this, so A.J. Dillon should do this. Is is not a way to evaluate fantasy for me at times uh, I saw another tweet saying I got AJ Dillon over DeAndre Swift and to me that was outrageous like to each their own you know I could be wrong we can look back and say uh uh Nick you were definitely wrong about that one there but at the same time if you can sell AJ Dillon for DeAndre Swift for that sort of mentality I'm doing that all day and I think the workhorse in Green Bay can have mm-hmm. top 10 uh upside because I'm pretty sure pro football um, focus had like Green Bay as a number two offensive line this past season. So it's a good O-line for a running back. But at the same time, I think when certain things happen in fantasy and you see the value jump way too high without any good backing, I mean, A.J. Dillon, we saw one good glimpse. He's built like an absolute beast. But at the same time, like if somebody's going to come to you and say, hey, I'll throw you DeAndre Swift for your A.J. Dillon. I'm doing it. I'll throw you 
the one three, the one four, or the one five for AJ Dillon. I, I, I'm personally, I'm doing it. So I think just because of the recent news that Aaron Jones should not be a Green Bay Packer, because of that, the value is super high, and I think you have to at times weigh it out. Do I want to keep him to see what happens? Sure, do that. But at the same time. If you do keep him and things change in Green Bay where he's not that guy, you might have missed out on the window to grab a good first-round pick or a good one-for-one running back. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts about A.J. Dillon. Yeah, man, I actually do. I like A.J. Dillon, the player, a lot. Um, You know, I actually liked him. Uh, I I didn't – I hope that he hadn't ended up in a team like, um, you know, like Green Bay. I actually wish that he ended up you know, I wish Pittsburgh had taken him. Thought he would have been perfect for what they want to do. Um, but you know, I, I do get the 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 fact that there's this opportunity here because Aaron Jones is a free agent, but Jamal Williams is also a free agent as well. So uh, there is kind of you know, if those if both of those guys sign elsewhere, then AJ Dillon is the top guy on the depth chart. And then now you have to ask yourself, you know, is Green Bay going to invest? at that position again, whether it be through the draft or free agency. Um, so, you know, I do, to your point, if you can get a high first round pick for AJ Dillon, cause I, I think I'd rather, I mean, I, I don't know where Najee Harris is going to end up, but I'd rather have a Najee Harris than an AJ Dillon. Um, but, you know, I, I would rather have AJ Dillon ahead of every other back after that, I think in this class, just because, you know, we talk about guys that are built to be a workhorse, AJ Dillon, you know, at six foot two forty seven, uh, you know, has that has that body type and and, and that ability as we saw in the uh, week sixteen game that you previously mentioned. So, I'm in the middle on AJ Dillon. I'm not in the frame of mind where I'm going to go move my draft picks to go get him, move heaven and earth to get him. But if I can flip like a second round pick to get AJ Dillon, um, or you know, if I can if I can flip him to you know conversely for a high first round pick like you were saying on the flip yeah, side, I, like I would, you just I said, if me personally, I'm not I'm not as high right now because I think the value jumped way too high just because of the news. But if but if like you just said, if I had a second round pick, I I might be shooting that offer because again, you're you're looking at risk reward. We we've seen what can happen in a Green Bay offense for a running back, and we've also seen a glimpse of Dylan. So. It just kind of depends on, again, with everything we're talking about today, John, I, I feel like you have to understand the league you play in because there are leagues that I play in where the guys pay, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying take advantage of people in your league, but I, but the values in your leagues are very different. I'm in leagues with guys that actually, you know, have fantasy accounts, but their values are a little bit skewed sometimes with certain things um, in comparison to my own, whereas, you know, I'm in some home leagues where, uh, people value things a lot differently. So I think it's just part of understanding the league you play in and, you know, who values what, because uh, certainly uh, certain news will break in some of my home leagues and I'll drop in the, Hey, this guy's on the block. Nobody says anything. And then there's other home leagues where the smallest thing will be said about a guy. And then automatically there's like five offers. So uh, it's a big thing, understanding your league here, but uh, yeah, I can see both sides of the argument. I just think that, um, you know, some of the Twitter talk gets to me sometimes because uh, I see people uh, writing guys into the Hall of Fame sometimes with small, you know, news that breaks. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, like you said, if if 
if someone's offering you something crazy, like you can get DeAndre Swift for AJ Dillon straight up, like I would do that ten times out of out of ten. So yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that. Um, all right, who's the who's the third guy we're selling? Yeah, and, and you know what? I that we're selling here? I'm thinking about it now. I I put some notes together. I promise. I put some notes together. I put actually a lot of thought into this today when I was supposed to be doing my actual work stuff. Um, and I was very busy at work, so it was a surprise. But <laughs> I promise. As a Chicago Bears fan, I did not mean to put two Green Bay Packers on here. It just worked out that way. I don't have a terrible bias. So I have some reasoning. But the guy mm-hmm. I, I'm telling to sell high, telling you to sell high on right now is Aaron Rodgers. And if you if you believe next season in a dynasty league that you are a true contender, maybe this is not a talk for you. But if you are floating somewhere else in the middle of your dynasty league or towards the bottom, I think Aaron Rodgers is at the total peak of his fantasy career. Could he do good things next year? I I believe so. But, you know, he was the QB four overall in fantasy from weeks one through 16, uh, depending on your league. He was the QB 11 the year before, also the QB four in 2018, but he was the MVP this year. I mean, if you talk about quarterbacks, we can talk all we want this year about Patrick Mahomes and um, Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. But who was the MVP was Aaron Rodgers. So I think because of that, um, because of the season, he just had number seven in yards, number one in touchdowns, number one in passer rating. Again, I'm going to keep saying MVP because I just don't think he's going to be there again. um, QB 10 in dynasty, according to fantasy pros, I, I think. If Aaron Rodgers is not the MVP next season and he's not a top five quarterback, let's say he's even QB eight, that value changes in one year. And he is, again, I don't like to play this big age factor game, but he's not the youngest guy uh, in terms of the list of quarterbacks that you might want on your dynasty team. So I think if you look at a guy who might be at the peak of his fantasy value, I think selling him now versus next year if he drops off even just a little bit is going to be two different things, especially in a super flex league. I mean, I don't want to get into the list of quarterbacks, but let's say let's say somebody came to you and you know you said you don't like two as much. Maybe I do, but if somebody came to me and said, "Hey, in your super flex dynasty league, you know I love Aaron Rodgers had MVP season. Him and Devonta Adams are killing it. I'll give you Tua in a." decent pick or I'll give you Tua and a starting wide receiver that can fit your team uh, or a good flex play that'll be good for your team or if I'll give you Matt Stafford in this or or Jalen Hurts is ranked lower I mean that's a debate in itself but if you think highly of Jalen Hurts and somebody came to you and said hey Jalen Hurts plus this for Aaron Rodgers I, I, I think I might take it and again I'm not knocking a Green Bay Packer I'm just looking at value and I don't think an MVP season like the one he uh, just had in a QB four season in fantasy is going to get better. I, I, I think it's it's going to go the other direction. I'm not going to say next season he's going to be outside of the top 10, but I don't think he's going to be QB four, and I don't think he's going to be the MVP next season. So that's the reason I'm selling him at his peak value right now. Yeah, I mean, he, he literally just had – the best year of his career at 37 years old. I don't think you're off base for this one. I'm actually, uh, you know, this kind of reminds me that he was a cell candidate of mine 
for Dynasty last year. So same, same. I apologize if anyone did that. Maybe last year uh, was more of a bias, but now, now this year I can say <laughs> I, I, I literally read off like a bunch of good stuff. So I'm like, hey, praise to you, Aaron Rodgers. But no, I, I was on the same boat. I, I just thought <laughs> them not adding a wide receiver to that core, it was not going to be good for him. But I was very wrong, and I, I'm bowing in front of my microphone and saying I'm sorry, Packers Nation and Aaron Rodgers for that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, like you were saying, this is all dependent on the roster that you have, right? Like, you know, I like what you started off by saying, if you look at yourself as a contender, if you see your team as a contender, you ride it out with Aaron Rodgers. Um, because he, you know, obviously, especially in those super flex leagues, he was, uh, he was dominant last year and having Aaron Rodgers as your QB2 uh, or QB1, depending on where you're at. Uh, not a bad thing to have, but if you are on the back of the team, you know, or the back of the, you know, in the at the end of the uh, the line in your roster or in your league, you're you know finishing last place or close to it, then maybe you go ahead and you, you sell high here, and like you said, even get younger at the quarterback position uh, by trying to get by getting by getting Tua or Jalen Hurts. Don't think that's a bad strategy at all. Uh, just. You know, for your sake, I hope. It uh, yeah, I know. A yeah, especially especially a, a, a handful so. against the Bears. But I think that's been a good <laughs> emphasis of this episode is understanding your league and where you are in your league for a lot of these things. Because again, like you just said, and I said to start things off, if you you are that guy in the league for next season, in your eyes right now, maybe you don't make these moves. Just like a guy like, uh, and I won't dive in, but a guy like Julio Jones, if he's healthy, maybe if I think I'm going to win the ship next year. I'm not going to, you know, uh, ship off. I'm using ship in two different ways. I'm not going to ship off uh, Julio Jones, you know, same sort of thing. So, yeah, understand where you are in your league, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally I totally like that one. And like you said, a common theme tonight, but knowing your league is definitely important. Um, so, Nick, I know you weren't prepared for this, but I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who will be – the you are a big Chicago Bears fan. We could hear the Chicago, uh, you know, I don't want to call it an accent, but you know, you you know what I mean. Uh, who is going to be the Chicago Bears starting quarterback? So uh, I've actually end? noticed a little bit of an accent a little bit more lately because I, I the the word your y o u r <laughs> I keep saying it like your your and I feel like that's uh-huh. something Chicago based. But um, so the <laughs> the pecking order of what I would love. I'd love Watson, then Wilson, and then I actually like Darnold as my my third on this list. Russell Wilson is a hard one to uh, to really understand because the last I had this on a podcast, I don't have the notes in front of me. The last four years, he's been like a top five guy in sacks and QB hits, so it's frustrating to him that nothing's been addressed. I don't know if he's just saying like, "I'll you know, I'll move, I'll move." Uh, obviously you don't want to fix things, so I'll move sort of thing. But it seems it seems like that really is the closest thing to an option right now when it comes to him or Watson. The Jets are hard to really understand uh, with what they're going to do. You know, I, and if Sam Darnold was to move where, where he would go and things like that, I actually like Sam Darnold. I think he's a good young QB. Um, he's a good pocket passer with a big arm. A lot of people don't but he'd be my third guy on the list. But if it's not Russell Wilson, if it's not Deshaun Watson, and if for some reason we cannot get Sam Darnold, 
I, I guess we're going to be rolling with Michigan. I, I would not like a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. I would not like a guy like Gardner Minshew on a personal basis. Um, Jamie Garoppolo, he's a hometown guy. I would not like that move either. A lot of rumblings today about uh, Russell Wilson in, um, in the sports book. They shifted the Bears up a little bit for a Super Bowl and took him out of like certain bets, things like that. So I'm, I'm crossing my fingers it's Wilson because I think the Watson ordeal is just so all over the place. So my, my hope and wish is that the Wilson trade actually works out. Otherwise, I think we're just where we are last year, and that's frustrating because I would love to w- wake up on a Sunday and be excited for a quarterback because never in my 29 years of living have I been able to do that. So that's my stance. Sorry for the rant. Sorry for the rant on that. But uh, you, you get my <laughs> hey, frustration man, well, here. No, absolutely, man. Look, I'm, you're talking to a judge. Oh, I know. Right yeah. Now, so I'm preaching to the choir. Your frustration better than most people do. Yeah. So, so you know. As a Jets fan, I you know I, I I'm a believer in Sam Darnold. I'm sure you you've seen that across my timeline before. So I would ha- be happy to see him go to Chicago. Uh, hopefully, do well. You know, hopefully for his sake, it's not involved in a in a in a tag and trade situation with Allen Robinson because I saw something like that floated around. But uh, Nick, really appreciate you coming on. Before we let you go. Why don't you tell all the people where they could find you and what you got cooking? Yeah, and this was a this was a lot of fun. Um, I I kind of mentioned before the broadcast, kind of hectic work week. I think both of us have, have had long weeks, so it's nice to talk to an actual friend about football and have a good time with it. So I do appreciate that. Um, you can find me at P Two W Fantasy on Twitter. All the content is streamed through there. Um. I go live once or twice a week during this time, and then I, I'm going to be linking up with some other people on their podcast. Uh, I, I write uh, two to three articles a week and release that, and then um, I, I produce some other video content and things like that. I got dinged for some copyright because of a TikTok, so I might be avoiding that. But, uh, yeah, I try, I try to hustle and grind just as much as uh, anybody else, and, John, you're a guy that does the same. So, again, preaching to the choir when it comes to that. But, Thank you, man, for having me on your show. Again, you are a friend of mine, not just a uh, guy in the community. So always like talking football with you, brother. Oh, yeah, brother. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, Definitely loved having you on. Definitely going to have to do that again at some point in the future. Um, So, again, just want to say thank you for that. And go, please go follow Nick. He's definitely one of the good ones. He's one of the best best ones out there. Uh, Subscribe to his YouTube channel. Subscribe to his podcast. Uh, whatever it is you need to do get, to get all of the the content flowing from P2W Fantasy. Uh, but everyone, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thanks, uh, John. Thank uh, we'll do it again sometime soon, man. appreciate you coming on, brother.